Welcome to season five of the Retail Tea Break podcast. My name is Melissa Moore, the Retail Advisor, and each week I'll be joined by industry experts, retailers and brands to dispel the myths, share their knowledge and give you an insight into the retail industry. You can listen back to previous episodes on your favourite podcast platform or on YouTube. And while you're there, please subscribe to the podcast so that you get to listen to it first every week. In the meantime, grab that cup of tea, sit back and listen in to season five of the Retail Tea Break podcast. Today, I'm joined by a guest who is passionate about taking a consumer-centric approach, ensuring brands make the right decision to drive consumer awareness and reducing friction in the shopper journey. In a previous role, she worked with a broad number of B2B retailers across the EMEA, focused on being where the consumer shops and bringing the best of that brand to life across those touch points to complement their D2C offerings. She's currently working for a fantastic Irish female-focused startup, bringing an inclusive athleisure wear proposition to women not currently provided by mainstream brands. Kira O'Keefe, Chief Operations Officer for Peachy Lean, welcome to the Retail Tea Break podcast. Thank you so much, Melissa, and thanks for having me. I am so excited for this conversation. Your your background, your experience is unbelievable with such kind of epic, iconic brands. I'm very, very excited. But look, before I get too excited, (laughs) in the time that it takes to boil a kettle, which is about two minutes, I'm told, tell us a bit about you and your background. Great. Well, listen, again, thanks for having me. So yes, as you mentioned, my name is Kira O'Keefe. So currently the CMO of Irish athleisure brand Peachy Lean. So we're a female founded and female focused brand, really focused on bringing support products to market for women that really aren't served very well by mainstream brands and bringing bringing that, that product to life for her and also building kind of a community around support as well. So it's more than just product. So prior to that, my background spent 16 years at Nike. So working with, as you mentioned in your very nice opening statement, a variety of kind of sales, commercial planning roles, working predominantly with the B2B customers across EMEA, predominantly UK and Ireland. My last role in Nike was kind of leading the Irish market for Nike. So really making sure that the consumer was absolutely front and center of our strategy and how we came to market, really working with relevant B2B partners and also building our direct-to-consumer journey so that if you're shopping for the brand in Ireland that you got the best experience. So that's a that's a little bit about me. And an amazing background, as, as I said a few minutes ago, just two whoppers of brands. Peachy Lean is so well known across Ireland right now. And of course, you don't get bigger than Nike. So I think really we're going to pull on a lot of that experience today. Yeah. What stands out for me, though, I suppose more than anything, and I know certainly when we spoke previously, is that doesn't matter who the brand is you always bring it back to this customer and knowing and understanding who you're serving how's that idea of customer centricity served you in your roles yeah look I think it's kind of learned through the journey I think you know if you know it was probably really started during my journey with Nike where we were really looking at the marketplace that we had what the right retail partners were so you know, when a brand is 40 years old, like Nike, it would have started very much with bricks and mortar retail, getting into as many sports retailers as possible to build the brand. But that wasn't necessarily serving the brand as as time had gone on. So it was now really looking at, OK, well, what does a retail partner bring to the table? 
how what is their USP? What what consumer are they serving? And how does that enhance, say, the Nike journey? You know, some consumers want a multi-channel experience. They don't want that pure D to C experience. They want to be able to go in and shop for a pair of trainers and see the full gamut of brands. So, you know, B2B partners still absolutely serve a purpose, but it's making sure that you just don't have a sea of 10 that are absolutely the same. And I think when I look to Peachy Lean, you know, we're obviously in a much more of a startup phase, predominantly direct to consumer, but it's again, thinking about, okay, where does our consumer shop? How can we, you know, have more touch points with her? Where does it, where does the community want to be? What's relevant to that consumer? And I think if, if you always, I've certainly learned through my career, if you always put the consumer and how you're serving and communicating with them front and center of, of your strategy, I think that will serve you the best. And you'll also be able to hopefully get some some feedback back from the consumer within that loop and continue to evolve that strategy. I think consumer expectations are changing so quickly. It's making sure that how you come to market and how you engage with the consumer continues to be relevant and, and essentially be where they want you to be. And that's a really interesting point. And I have to say, I think it's something brands at the moment are missing. You mentioned there that idea of engagement. Therefore, this is a two-way thing. This is almost like a conversation. It's not the brand just pushing themselves out there. As you said, feedback, you have to listen to the consumer in, I suppose, in a way that is going to make you relevant continually in their journey, in their lives. Absolutely. And I think, you know, there's there's plenty of brands over time that haven't taken that time to listen and learn and you know whether it's your product what your product creation is or whether it's actually your routes to market it doesn't it doesn't necessarily have to be one or the other it can be a variety of things but I think really making sure the consumer is front and center of what you do will ultimately lead to to success. 100% agree it's so important and I suppose with that and I I hate to kind of use this term but we know our shoppers have become more needy in this post-COVID era because as you said like they've more channels they can do what they like at midnight 2 a.m in the morning at you know 2 a.m during the day they can shop whenever they want but they want super fast service now you know they want really easy delivery they want the interactions to be easy and convenient for them they want a really handy you know return solution so from your perspective looking at this sales and commercial kind of aspect yeah. what are you seeing at the moment yeah look I think you're right I think consumer expectations have changed I think in a post-covid world there's lots of shoppers who've maybe never interacted digitally we're very much more bricks and mortar I think brands that are you know multi-channel have to have that really good strategy ideally some sort of omni-channel strategy that really you know makes sure that you recognize that consumer wherever they're shopping um, and I think ultimately it comes back to if you're going to interact with a you know, in the case of Peachy Dean, where we're more direct to consumer and online, you you need to really trust the brand. You need to know that, you know, fundamentally, this is a credible brand. I'm going to get my delivery. It's it's what I want. And I think having some of that navigation really well built into your site so that it's really clear about what the delivery options are out there. Um, and we also have a really great customer service, which, you know, helps us really keep our returns rate far below our sort of industry standard and, and and there's a lot of questions you'll get about size or some you know being walked through that journey of well what's the right fit for me or I've got the wrong size can you exchange it for me so I think it's finding what's right for your consumer obviously in female-led brands and brands that are servicing her fit is usually one of the biggest challenges where maybe not so much of your selling footwear where people's shoe size doesn't fluctuate as much and fit isn't maybe as much of a critical item but I think it's really being being consistent across that omni-channel journey 
for whoever is shopping with you, then they will you build up that trust and they know that you're going to service them in a really credible way. I also think actually reviews and previous consumer feedback and engagement, we get that from our community at Peachy Bean, but also, you know, having some really strong reviews, I think helps the first time shopper maybe get that trust when they haven't interacted with the brand before. That's a really interesting point. And I'd never thought of it that way. So you, of course, working in the brand has to trust the brand, trust that you've built the right brand with the right strategy, that that foundation is absolutely rock solid, as you've said, whether it's your policies, whether it's your service that you're delivering, but also then that the trust of the people that have already bought from you then speaks for itself. Do you know what I mean? And I, I see that with Peachy Lean, whether it's on social media, your community is epic like it's so strong that I think anyone looking to buy from Peachy Lean sees other happy women that look like them that sound like them that do what yeah. they do and as you said that just starts to kind of ease out this trust that they could have with the brand if they buy from the brand exactly and I like I think that's what we all want ultimately and any consumers you know thinking about from your own shopping experience is only going to have a certain number of brands that they're going to want to shop with and as you've mentioned it's very crowded out there so having that community element and being able to build that trust certainly has has played well for us. And I think when you look at, say, a brand like Nike, which is obviously on a much bigger scale, you know, that's one of the big reasons that developing direct-to-consumer channels has been so important as a strategy, because actually being able to really get that direct relationship with the consumer, which you maybe don't have when you're looking at B2B channels, certainly at the moment, whether that can get there with data sharing and, and you know, elevated partnership in the future, I think is probably the aspiration. But it's, I think it's it, it's relevant whether you're a big brand or a smaller brand. Yeah, so, so true. And I suppose with more brands utilising DTC like Peachy Lean is now, it's a smaller brand. I'm, I'm sure Sharon won't mind me saying that. It's a startup. It's an epic Irish startup. Brand loyalty. How important and exciting is that as you are on this journey and you are you're on a journey Absolutely. you're certainly not you're not and I don't know whether it'll ever end in that respect but what's it like then to be in the middle of this D2C journey yeah look I, th I think it's great and I think you know whether with B2B and obviously the brand is has been more organic and is in a much smaller phase than, than a brand like Nike and I think by having that direct consumer relationship it really gives you that one-on-one -on -one with your consumer you can interact you can get develop that loyalty you can be focused I think on developing more products and innovation that's relevant for her and ultimately I suppose it's you know hopefully down the road as our as our brand grows getting after more personalization which I think is probably the kind of the holy grail that every brand is looking to get to but there's so much data that you you have on your consumers and I think that really knowing them know when they shop know what their frequency is you know, for smaller brands like that lifetime value of a consumer is really important because, you know, I think I've listened to a number of your podcasts and a lot of speakers are talking about this, but costs of consumer acquisition are really high. So it's how do you make sure when you acquire a customer that you're really getting your bang for your buck with that and, and delivering to them multiple offers or multiple product lines or whatever that are relevant to them and that they stay with you because you know, you've, you've maybe made that spend already. So I think it's it's really looking at what that can bring for the brand when you're when you're direct to consumer and how you can leverage that data more to be in that path of that consumer. Easier then kind of working with a smaller brand like Peachy compared to, to Nike, is it easier then to to bend and almost 
not manipulate the brand because strong values, strong core, but is it easy then to kind of move with what your consumer wants in that respect, having this smaller brand, you know, as you grow, then if if you're finding more women want X, Y, and Z, well, actually, if it suits the needs of your business and it suits your values, can you be, I suppose, more autonomous and do what you need to do to, you know, to acquire that customer or those customers or that community to continue to grow the brand? Absolutely. I think, you know, when you're looking at a bigger global brands like a Nike, it's servicing multiple categories, much bigger variety of consumers and product engine, product development can never be as sort of niche to a market as a brand like Peachy Lean and a, and a particular consumer segment, because it's just too big a behemoth to do that. And I think, you know, consumer insights are so important with any brand. But for a smaller brand, you can digest those insights quicker because you, your, your relationship to the consumer is much more direct. There's less of you in that decision making mode. And then you can absolutely turn those rounds into whether it be product creation or service level or new channels, I think, in a much quicker way, uh, which is which is probably the advantage of being a smaller brand. You're more nimble. And I love that. And I think as a consumer and definitely talking from a consumer perspective here, I think that we feel that we can touch that brand easier. It's it's almost like, you know, the brand as if you know the person that's built the brand or, you know, the people, you know, behind the brand again. And they're like you. They sound like you. They look like you. They're going through the same things day to day that you are. And almost I think this D to C connection that so many of us feel that we have now, especially with Irish brands at the moment, is quite powerful out there as consumers that I think it's yes we're driving this DTC connection as much as the brand wants us to to have that connection with them absolutely and I think Irish consumers are great at actually supporting local brands I think they actually have a real appetite for it and it's a kind of an extra plus um if they like the brand oh and it's it's made by somebody like the brand is an Irish brand they'll definitely support the brand but yeah I think it's definitely a two-way treat as well I think you know consumers have to feel comfortable in that DTC environment. They have to know what your brand is and what you stand for, whether you be big or small, whether you're a retailer, whether you're a brand. So there's a reason to kind of cross the threshold if it's a physical store or in a in a digital environment, log on, actually become traffic on your website. So I think it's whatever way you're looking at that, I think it's important that they understand who you are, what you represent, and that you you're dragging them in that way. I love it. DTC and again she- 10 years ago, we wouldn't have almost been talking about brands being D2C. It was always a very different route to market. And I suppose talking to different routes, B2B, incredibly common, been around in retail for so long. And I suppose you work B2B at Nike. So working with retailers to sell the brand in store and online, which is completely different, I suppose, with the way that the Peachy Lean works now. So in that respect, retail is evolving. We know that B, B2B was almost, it's been around for so long. Yeah. Do you think that B2B aspect though of retailing has evolved over the last few years? Oh yeah, absolutely. I think like there's been so much consolidation, particularly if you look like at the market like the UK, you know, there's you know, five to 10 retailers that are even of scale anymore, you know, in any given market. So whether it be grocery, sport, or kind of fashion, it, the number of sort of physical big brands from a retail point of view has massively consolidated. And I think, again, it's probably driven a little bit by brands and how they're choosing partners or how they're evolving their partner strategy. They want to make sure, again, a bit like what I talked about earlier in terms of a D2C brand, they want to make sure they've got the right partner 
It's able to target your target demographic in a really compelling way. It's giving that multi-brand kind of experience in a premium, if it's in physical retail, a premium environment that's with like, you know, your brand is sitting beside brands that have a similar perceived consumer value and ultimately that it's enhancing your consumer journey. So it gives an experience maybe that, you know, a a bigger brand can't achieve. So if for the example of Nike in, in Ireland, for example, there's key retail partners here like a Lifestyle Sports or an Elvery's Intersport. And then the big players from the UK like JD and Sports Direct, they give that, that multi-channel experience. They give, you know, maybe an opportunity. Nike has started to open some stores in Ireland, but prior to that, where you could physically touch, feel, try on the product. So there's all, I think there will always be a, a place for that relationship. And I think it's about what it brings to the brand. So if I give an example from, from Peachelene, we are predominantly direct-to-consumer online, but we do have a partnership with Evoca. So for us, that gives us an opportunity, again, to bang on for our demographic, but also it gives us an opportunity to, to do community events with them, where we do maybe you know bring the community together for a yoga event in one of the Evoca gardens. So that's a great fit for us in terms of being able to kind of leverage that opportunity for people to have the physical experience of the brand, but also that community connection. And I think there's the learning in this. You know, the old days, it would have been B2B everywhere. Like it was absolute blanket across the market. Certain brands were just, you were almost succeeding them because they were absolutely everywhere. Whereas now, as you said, whether it's with Nike being quite strategic about being in strong retailers who can adhere to, whether it's their comms, whether it's their guidelines, whether it's serving the customer in a really strong way, proper retail way or of yeah. course for peachy there being an evoker which she said absolutely you know great mix there right customer base delivering something very special as you said because you can now have experiences but also the customer can touch and feel have we become maybe more picky about the retailers we then choose because certainly in the past with this blanket coverage retailers were after everyone and every brand but also the brands are willing to be out there but now it's like we've rode it back a little bit I think absolutely. I think it depends. Again, if you look at a market like Ireland, I think some brands, the reason that had happened and and the pivot hadn't happened earlier was maybe that there wasn't as much consolidation here or that they had distributors. So they're not as much of a brand stakeholder, if that makes sense. They're obviously want to try and get a wide distribution. But ultimately, if you look at even outside kind of what we're talking sport fashion industry, someone like a, like an Apple, like they kept their distribution super tight and they have really brought an excellent sort of strategy that enhances their, their direct consumer channels, but it still gives consumers access to the product to markets maybe where they're not going to invest in a lot of Apple stores or those premium executions. So I think it's about, you know, that the fact that consumers want to shop a brand, but if, you, if it's overexposed, you're right, they get sick of it. And then also the retail partners, they're all trying to fight for the same consumer with the same assortment. Mm. So then it becomes a price-driven argument, which is not good for anybody, really, brand or retailer, because it just devalues the whole thing in the consumer's eyes. And you know what? As a consumer, it makes you a little bit special. If you can only buy certain things in certain stores, I mean, we know what it's like. We're, We're coming into the golden quarter now. Christmas is coming. You do feel a bit special when you get a gift from a certain brand, from a certain store. It just gives that aspirational. And again, that fits in with the consumer that you're targeting, which is really, really lovely. So while I have you and with all your experience, I have to ask then any top tips for brands who are starting to scale their business? Because you've certainly seen both sides of the coin here, Kira. 
Yeah, look, I think it's again, it's for me, it's the, the two fundamentals that are always the most important, two to three fundamentals. It's understanding what your brand stands for, what your USP is. So if you're in a market, like, is the market crowded? Is there competitors out there? The answer for most brands is yes. So when what is your culture? What's different about your product? Um, and how can you communicate that? And then do you understand who your consumer is? Ultimately, yes. Look, everyone's going to have a big gamut of lots of different consumers who buy their product. But what is your real sweet spot? And, and do you understand that? And then what are the third thing would be what? How do you communicate to them? And the fourth is probably what channel or channels are the best way for you to actually deliver against commercializing that in some way, whether it's physical product, joining a community, whatever your strategic objective is that you actually have considered how you're going to you know, drive that into commercial success. Because, you know, what we've talked about earlier, that direct to consumer channels, there's some massive advantages, but there's also, you know, there's a lot of cost on that side as well. And then if you go down the partnership route with either, you know, like other bricks and mortar retailers or omni-channel players, there's, there's, I think, things to be considered on all sides of that. And then there's that whole other behemoth of marketplaces and what does that do for your brand as well? So it's really understanding how you can best kind of be where she shops, say in the case of Peachelene or depending on who you're targeting and really delivering against that strategy and sticking to it actually, because you might have, you know, other partners or big opportunities that come to you, but they might not be right for the overall success of the brand. They might be a short-term commercial gain, but actually might be, brand enhancing in the long term oh so much there I want to unpick so I'm going to start at the beginning because otherwise yeah. we'll just we'll go off on one you said there about kind of knowing the customer and really understanding the proposition however do you have you found I suppose have you gone back and revisited that because look I teach it I teach at yeah. University of Galway at the moment that absolutely you have to have those fundamentals but over time and I suppose especially looking to a brand like Nike do you think that they go back and revisit and check that who they their customer is is who they think it is or has it changed yeah look like, like nike obviously is a big behemoth and it, it, each kind of um individual category would have its insights so you might be talking about women's or running or football which would would have its own kind of insight driven product creation and, and all that that feeds so i think yeah absolutely i think it's important to go back do brands do it enough probably not because i mm. think market insights can get very diluted depending on the brand size so, you know, leadership teams may be visiting a market, getting some insights, but it, by the time it actually gets back to product creation, it might have been distilled so many times it doesn't have the insights that are necessary. I think it's about like, say, the example of Nike, the, the brand is focused on sort of innovation for sports or performance, and, and they haven't really deviated from that in a, a significant way. Obviously, they have an enormous sort of sports fashion business, but all of those, all of that footwear, for example, has its DNA or the majority of it in a performance style. So they haven't really deviated from that. So I think it's about, you know, taking the insights of, OK, what's next or what's new or what's relevant, but maybe not losing the DNA factor as well, because then you you kind of lose some of the credibility that was always there for the brand and then that ties in perfectly actually with my kind of next question from what you said is when the shiny things come along and look we hear it so much there's this unbelievable opportunity for retailers and brands right now as we're kind of we were all kind of marching through this incredible omni-channel experience and probably even more than that there's so many more channels open to us how do we 
how do brands say no to those shiny experiences or how do we turn those shiny things that people offer us into ones that do suit our business as opposed to going after and there are plenty of bigger brands out there that have done it they've gone after things that haven't been the right fit that haven't spoken to their customer but I don't know maybe the money or the situation or the location was right at that time and they thought why not we'll wing it we'll go for it how, how do you focus and continue to focus as you said on your DNA and your values yeah look I think you've got to have a strong team that's and actually probably have those values lined out and say right this is these are the five things or this is what we stand for or this is who we're getting after and you're totally right look big opportunities like that come around they usually have a big financial yeah. kind of payout and you know startups need that kind of oxygen at times as well so I think it's being really clear on your values and also the culture within the organization that you have that opportunity to kind of have that maybe fail fast opportunity that you could kind of say look we just don't think it's right now and being able to kind of keep that opportunity maybe warm and I think actually sometimes you'll find that actually partners that come to you will respect that as well because they respect that you actually know your consumer well you know your community and you know your brand and that you really get it and even even with big brands like Nike you know the brand is is having a great time in the last few years you know, every retailer wants a piece of that. And it's, you know, so you, you know, you have to know what the strategy is, know who you're targeting as a consumer and, and really, I think, stick firm to that because it, it ultimately those short-term gains probably aren't worth it. Yeah, you're right. And actually you said something lovely there that I hadn't even thought of. It comes back to knowing your team. So this internal customer experience, having the right group around you, who I suppose you believe are really good at their jobs. They understand the values of the business. Yeah, I'd never looked at it that way, Kira. Yeah, look, I think because it's important because, you know, certainly in a smaller organization like I'm working in now with PGD, we all have to hold hands on the decisions. And I think knowing that we we have each other's back with it, I think is important as well. Yeah, it's lovely. And I think it marries then or it matches the community that's out there. So again, the the women that follow Peacheline who buy from the brand, this incredible community that you become part of when you buy into the brand and you see these women that look like you, who do what you do. It's lovely to then feel that the team behind the brand is the same. Exactly, that 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 we're living the values in our culture. Yeah, 100%. I think that's really important actually because I think, you know, it should be the way it is in every company. Not, not that it necessarily is, but it, I think it's important to live the values that you, you're kind of outbounding as well. Definitely. And I 100% agree with that. So final question then, Kira, what's coming up for you and the business over the next six months? Yeah, look, we're still in a, a massive growth trajectory, as you can imagine. So really a couple of things, I suppose, really trying to build that brand awareness, make sure that, you know, we're, we're getting after that target demographic. We know who she is. We've obviously got a loyal customer base, but there's still a lot of more women out there that we want to get behind the brand. And we're also looking at sort of some product innovation that could be relevant. So we're very famous for our kind of support legging. Support is the DNA of the brand. What other support products can we bring and, and what, what, we, what we're planning for 2024? So that's that's exciting. And then looking really at getting after new markets. You know, we were predominantly Ireland with a small bit of UK. There's a lot more opportunity in the UK. And then looking looking beyond that to see we're getting some organic traffic from places like the US where we can actually kind of start to look at where women like we see in Ireland are and where they're underserved and how we can can approach those those new markets. 
How exciting. Peachy Lean going global. Watch the space. That's, <laughs> that's incredible. But I think it's the next, I think, obvious journey to anyone looking in at the brand as a consumer is that more women get served by the brand and the gorgeous leggings. And, and the, as you said, the support is there in everything we do and everything exactly. we wear. So it, it's a really lovely, a lovely and quite exciting kind of time coming up for the brand. Then. Absolutely. Absolutely. If you've enjoyed the podcast today, please, please, please like and share it. And remember, you can listen back to past Retail Tea Break episodes on your favourite podcast platform or on YouTube. Connect with myself and Kira on LinkedIn, and I'll obviously pop Peachy Lean's website into the show notes. If you haven't been and had a look, do please go and browse and buy. And that's me saying that, not Kira, so you must do it. And remember, you'll be able to find the show notes and the transcript for today's episode on the Retail Advisor dot ie oh kira thanks so much for your time today we did it in one happy days <laughs>